Well, I'll tell you, these, uh, those testimonies for baptism were probably enough for you to live on for the next week, and I I'll, should probably just close in prayer, but uh, those are fantastic, praise God. But I, I think instead I will just preach as quickly as I can through a lot of verses this morning. Romans chapter 8, would you turn there with me? I remember one time when my wife and I were riding in the car and, and uh, we were listening to Christian radio and someone said, uh, many great theologians were once asked, if you were stranded on an island out in the ocean and you could only have one verse or one chapter of the Bible... Uh, to have with you, you know, uh, which one would you want? I'm driving. I said, I'd want Romans chapter 8. And uh, he paused for a little bit. He said, most of them said they would want Romans chapter 8. And my wife looked at me and said, I'm a great theologian, you know. So <laughs> anyways, love Romans chapter 8. We're going to start a little bit in Romans chapter 7. And, uh, you know, I work with uh, so many young people. Uh, this is my 34th summer at Lake Ann Camp over in Lake Ann, and uh, thank you, yes. And um, I have been working with young people for a long time. I, I was a pastor for 10 years also. Um, but I, I just praise the Lord that uh, uh, I, I've had significant ministry talking to them. But one of the things I see lately that the young people express so much, and they seem to, to own this almost as a, as a badge of honor, and that is I'm full of pain. I'm full of pain. And I know we talk a lot about sometimes the young people, uh, you know, the, with this COVID uh, pandemic we just went through in the last few years and, and how many of them couldn't go to school and, and uh, the loneliness that they go through. And so anyways, as I talk to counselors and uh, as we're passing, uh, you know, each other in, in the, um, at the camp and I'm like, tell me what's going on in your, your cabin. So many will say, my, my campers just keep saying they're just so full of pain. It's just pain and pain. And so I want to talk about pain this morning because maybe you are experiencing the same thing. And I hope that we don't get, be, become a society that's just all about, you know, the victim is the hero. You know, sometimes I think we want to stay in that state and just, you know, feel sorry for ourselves rather than letting God feel sorry for us, having mercy on us, and saying, I know your pain because I went to the cross. And I'm Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want to talk about five reasons why a Christian can embrace pain. Okay? Five reasons why a Christian can embrace pain. Now, my homiletics professor always said, you know, probably don't do more than three points in a message. You know, it's not good. Four, if you're really good, never do five. I'm doing five this morning. So, and uh, we don't have a lot of time, but we're, we're going to go through this. Now, the first point has like 26 verses in it. So you're going to be like, oh, great. But um, let's look at Romans chapter 7, and we're going to start verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do, do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. 
Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you, do you pick this up here in, in chapter 7 that this person is in pain, pain of sin. And I found myself in that same position when I was 15 years old and I went to camp. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember uh, my, I went, uh, my family went to church all the time. When I was young, it was kind of a liturgical kind of church, but, uh, you know, we, we were very faithful, and, and I knew all the things. I remember going to Sunday school and coloring in the things. I knew the Bible stories and all that, but I'll tell you, in private, when I was alone, I knew as a teenager, I was just full of sin. I, you know, the things I, you know, I, 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 I out in the barn, I used to swear at the cows all the time. You tell you, cows can, cows can do that to you. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't want to be on the farm anyways. I'm like, why can't I live in town where, you know, I had to get up every morning, feed cows, and every night feed cows, and milk the cows, and water the cows, and chop the, the ice off the watering trough in the wintertime so they could drink water. And, you know, I just hated it. And so when they would frustrate me, you know, just blankety, blank, 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 you know. And, and I was like, oh, God, i got to stop the swearing. And I tried, I remember New Year's resolutions, you know, they always had a New Year's Eve service. And I'd go to the altar and I'm like, God, if you'll forgive me, I'll never curse again. And I'd go back and curse. Oh, wretched man that I am. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. And, you know, I, I, I try and I try. I, I know what the law says. I'm not supposed to do these sins that I'm doing. And in my mind, there's the law of my mind that knows what the Bible says and I want to do it, but I can't. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, how painful it is. But then we get to the last, uh, the last verse of chapter 7. After he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Number one, here's the first reason we can embrace pain. And that is, number one, because pain can lead to purification and power. Number one, pain can lead to purification and power. In other words, this person discovered his old wretched man unto them who would deliver me from this body of sin and death. Hey, it's Jesus Christ. Amen? He died. And I'll tell you what, I'll remember that, that day when I, uh, at camp, and I walked forward, I realized I was a sinner, but I realized that Jesus Christ was the only one who could take away my sin, take away the pain of that wretchedness, and give me the power to live the Christian life. I was like, God, I, I have no hope that I could ever stop my cursing, my swearing, and all the other sins that I have. God, it has to be you and you alone. I can't do it. And the Holy Spirit said, you're right, you can't do it. Jesus did it on the cross. And so I don't know if you picked this up. There's three laws that are mentioned here. The law of my mind. I know what the, the Word says. And 
oh, I wish I could do it. I know what's right and wrong. But the law of sin and death always takes over. It always wins. It's a stronger law to beat down the law of my mind. But then there's a third law introduced. And it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. Hey, there's a stronger law here. When you get saved, you, you not only can, can be purified of your sin, but have power over it. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what. Sometimes, uh, I'm sure, way before we learned how to fly in the early 1900s, I'm sure man always thought, wish we could fly. Can you imagine going way back into the 17 or 1600s and telling them someday we can put three or four hundred people in an iron tube and fly through the air at 400 miles an hour, they'd be like, you are nuts. That'll never happen. Haven't you heard of the law of gravity, you idiot? But then I went to science class, and they taught me about Bernoulli's principle, where speed increases, pressure decreases. And, and man learned how to shape the, uh, 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 the, the wing so that it, you know the, the air would go fast over the top of the wing and, and as speed would increase, you know, you have the constant uh, speed under the wing, but if you made it run faster over the top, you decrease the pressure and you get lift. And now we can put three, 400 people in an iron tube and throw them through the air at 400 miles an hour and come down safely. Woo, wow. The law of gravity, hey, we found a stronger law, Bernoulli's principle, that can overcome it. And if that is true in science, how much truer is the fact that God said there's a stronger law when Jesus went to the cross. He made it possible for us to overcome the law of sin and death. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not overcoming my sin. Can I tell you what? There is a promise pain can lead to purification and power let's skip down to verse uh, 11 if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised christ jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you another truth we know is when we get saved the holy spirit comes in and dwells within us to give us the ability to to, to follow through with us uh, a law of the spirit of life in Christ. Amen? And it says, if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you, now let me ask you this, how dead was Christ when he went into the grave? How dead? Kind of dead? Totally, he was totally, he was dead, dead. Okay, he could not raise himself and the Holy Spirit went into that grave and gave him life and he opened his eyes and raised him up in newness of life. Why? Because he paid the perfect price. But here's a promise. If you're walking in pain like, oh, I can't, I can't seem to overcome my sin, guess what? If the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is living in you, and he is if you're born again, then he will raise you up and give life to your mortal body through Christ Jesus. Amen? So I'll tell you what. Sometimes the pain of our sin, we can be like, oh, wallow in it. But we don't have to. Pain can lead to purification and to power to overcome. Well, we're going to skip down to the second one here in verse 17. And that is, pain gives platform. It says, and if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him 
in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be, re be revealed to us or in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now here is a principle. He says, listen, uh, we shall, we shall uh, just as Christ was raised and uh, has glory in his resurrection, we also shall, shall have the same kind of glory, but we're joint heirs with him, but if you suffer like he did, if you suffer with him. In other words, there's a way that God kind of purifies us and helps us and sanctifies us through pain. Uh, you know what? We all run from pain, don't we? Amen. Every time I get in some kind of a pain, I'm just like, dear God, please remove it. Okay? Just take it away, and I will love you. You know, I just, I don't want the pain. I used to say that to my dad. I'd pray that to my dad. Dear Father, my earthly father, please don't make me go out and do chores. Please don't make me bail hay this summer. My dad's like, I remember we sold the farm. I was like, woo, we sold the farm. Woo. My dad, we're sitting on a, the porch with my uncle who had a, a farm, and he says, hey, you got a lot of hay to bail this summer? And he, my uncle goes, yeah. He goes, you can have Kenneth. I was like, whoa, what do you mean you can have Kenneth? I don't want to bail. I, we just sold the farm. Yeah, you're not going to sit around. You're going to be in pain. Why? Because, you know, it helps you. Well, number two, I say that pain gives platform. Pain gives platform. All right? When Jesus Christ, when he suffered, and he went through what he did on the cross, it gave him glory. It's like, wow, look, look what you accomplished. And now... He can tell us that, you know, I'm the great high priest. I went through what you're going to go through. And it's not like I'm just a God in heaven saying, well, I've never been a man. I, I can't understand, excuse me, your pain. But once you go through pain, I'll tell you what, pain will give you platform. But you've got to go through the pain so that you, you're not, you know what? I was a pastor for 10 years. Talk about pain. I mean, I had people call me up, Pastor, I hate you. You're the worst pastor. I'm like, no, I'm a nice guy. You don't understand, you know. Uh, uh, one time I had a lady, she goes, man, I'm, uh, she, she called me up. I, I'd written a note for Thanksgiving. Thank you for all that you do in the church. And she says, Thank, you're a horrible pastor. I'm like, why? You stole my rewards in heaven. Because it says if you get your rewards down here, you don't get them in heaven. Thanks for saying thank you to me. You, I was like, you are nuts, lady, you know I mean? <laughs> now, I didn't say that on the phone. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and then I hung up. Wife, she's nuts, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, after being 10 years in the ministry and I went out working with young people and I would travel to churches and, and uh, you know, and, uh, at, you know, pastors invite me to speak at their church and, you know, I was working for a Bible college at the time and, and sometimes they like, well, we'd like you to preach, you know. I was like, well, I was a pastor for 10 years. Oh, okay, you can preach. We, you know what it's like. <laughs> Platform. I remember one time a young lady came to our camp, and oh, I'm going to tell you, she sat down. I was telling them how good God was. We, we talked about that today. We sang about that. God is good. 
And I was telling them, oh, the Lord's great, and the Lord's good. And, and uh, one of the counselors said, my, one of my campers wants to talk to you. And so I sat down with her under a tree on a bench. And, man, she had this scowl on her face. And she was like, oh, you say God is good? I'm like, yeah. He says, well, you know, this has happened to me, and I've been abused this way and abusing, and, and uh, verbally and sexually, I've been locked in closets, dark closets with no food, and I mean, this girl had lived a horrible life, and she looked at me, and, and one of the, her face scowls, she said, and don't tell me like those stupid social workers that you know how I feel, because you don't know how I feel. I was like, you are right, and then God gave me a thought, and I said, can I ask you something I said let's say someday you you go through college and you become a social worker and some little girl comes in and sits down uh, with you across from your desk and she's like I've been abused sexually and verbally and and physically and I've been locked in closets and I've been abused and hurt this way and th that way and and don't tell me you know how I feel I said what can you tell that little girl and all of a sudden she started sitting up straight thinking she goes I can tell her how she feels because I've been through that. I said, yes, and you're the only one that could minister to that little girl that I cannot minister to. I said, maybe this is, God can use this for a good reason. And she brightens us, yes, I, I'll tell you what, pain gives platform. And maybe some of the pain you've gone through, you're like, God, why do I have to go through this? Maybe it's so you can minister to somebody in this world, in this church, in this community that nobody else would know what you've gone through. Nobody else could experience that, but you could find a, a, a way into helping that person's life through their pain because God lets you go through it. There's a third reason a Christian can embrace pain. Number three, let's read verses 22 through 25. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience or perseverance. Number three, pain can produce perseverance. Pain can produce perseverance. Well, I'll tell you what, usually we hit pain, we give up. I'm done. God's cruel. I'm not going to go through this. It's, I'm not worthy of this. You know, I, I, and and we, we give up, we get angry, we check out. I'll tell you what, pain can give us that perseverance that leads to this hope. And that's what this whole thing, and perseverance that leads to this hope. Can you hang on? It says the whole creation is waiting for its new body. You know what? Someday God is going to give this earth a new body. You know, God put the curse in it, and the, and the whole earth is like, oh, ah, oh the curse, ah, thorns and briars and thistles and, ah, you know, and pollution. Someday God's going to, not only did Jesus die on the cross to redeem us, he also died on the cross to redeem this world. Amen? And so it says, here's a picture. This whole earth is groaning. And, uh, but it's got to wait for it. And, it. and this whole earth is waiting in hope. He just says, someday when God comes down and redeems everybody, all the believers, I'm getting my new body too. 
And so the, the whole earth is waiting in hope, anticipation. But it says if we have this hope, do we wait for it with perseverance or patience? James chapter 1 says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Do you ever hear those, you know, you one of those happy Christians or you're pie in the sky, Pollyanna Christians, you know. No, the Bible says it. Amen. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trial of your faith works patience or perseverance but let perseverance have its entire complete work that you might be complete, entire, lacking nothing. You see, when God brings pain into life to sanctify us and help us, we just want to get out of it. We're like, no, God, take it away. God, no, persevere. As you persevere through it, you'll be made complete. Your faith will be made complete and whole. I'll tell you some of the, the worst pain I ever had in my life was when I was 19 years old. And I loved this girl in college, and she wouldn't like me back. And I fell in a deep depression. I'm married to her now. <laughs> but at that time, you know, she wouldn't like me, and so my hopes were dashed. She was going to bring me hope, and God's like, got the wrong hope, buddy. And he says, all right. And, I, man, I crashed, and I went through depression and despair and thoughts of suicide. And, oh, God, and I prayed. Nothing happened. I'm like, God, you don't hear prayer. And God's like, no, just keep going. You know, it was painful. But you know what I learned? One day I read Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their distresses. And the Holy Spirit's like, ding, yes. God does hear you, and he will deliver you out of distress. And I got to the point, I'm like, I don't need that girl. I need God. And God hears my prayers. Wow, my faith was made complete through that pain, and I persevered through it. I didn't give up and say, I'm going to take my life. I'm getting out of here. I don't care anymore. And I'll tell you what, once I, I put my hope in God, that was what I learned. I'm like, oh, God, you're my hope. He goes, okay, now you can have this girl. Ooh, thank you, you know. <laughs> but sometimes we don't persevere. Listen, pain can give you perseverance. Now, sometimes I say can because sometimes we reject it. Sometimes we reject the purification. So pain can lead to pur purification, or we can just stay in our sin. Pain gives platform, or we can just check out and say, I don't want this, I, I don't care if I have a message. Sometimes I tell people, hey, pain can give you a platform. I don't want a platform. I just want to get out of it. So, number three, pain can produce perseverance. Number four, let's read verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, we, what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Wow, praise the Lord. Number four, pain brings prayer. Number four, pain brings prayer. Oh, I'll tell you, you get, you get in such pain sometimes, I don't know what to pray for, how I ought to, or, or sometimes in your pain you're like, I don't feel like praying, or I don't even know what to say. Aren't you glad that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit gets inside of you, lives inside of you, and he says, listen, Rudolph, I know you don't know how to pray right now, but I do. And I'm going to pray according to the will of God what you need. I'll tell you, sometimes my prayers have just been, you know, just bending 
down and, and, and weeping, you know, elbows on my, my knees and just sobbing and like, God, this hurts so bad. I don't know what to say. I'll tell you what, I can know that God prays for me at those times the Holy Spirit prays. So pain can bring prayer. It brings prayer. And uh, I, I remember one time um, I sat down with my grandpa Klotzbach on one afternoon. He used to have these heart spells and he'd have to get off his feet and lay in bed for a couple days. And, and uh, he called them heart spells. They weren't heart, heart attacks, but uh, he, it would weaken him. And now you got to understand my grandfather Klotzbach had 50 grandchildren, okay? He had 13 children and 50 grandchildren. So you didn't get a lot of time with grandpa, all right? You were just one of the 50. And so I, ha I was home from college and I got to go sit down with him now. I think it was during this time, I was just telling you, when I went through this hard time in college when this girl wouldn't like me and, and sometimes life gets so painful and you're just like, I just wish I were dead. And some of you are thinking that right now. It's so painful, it's so hard. Just take me out. I just want to escape this pain. And I remember sitting down with him. Now, he was a farmer all his life, but he was a godly man. On the weekends, he kind of did circuit preaching. You know, he'd go to three different churches out in the country, these little churches, and he'd, he'd uh, split his family up, all 13 of them. They'd go to different places, and uh, he, would, he would go to all three and preach. But he was a very godly man, but a farmer all his life. He worked hard. He built these huge barns all by himself with his boys. And I remember sitting down with that one afternoon because he was going through a heart spell, and I sat there and put a chair right by his bed in his bedroom. And he could kind of whisper and tell me these stories because he was pretty weak. But he told me this one story. He says, I remember, he said, when I, I just had three kids at the time. And he said, I got real sick. And he said, uh, so the doctor came to the, the farmhouse, and they put the extra uh, 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 leaves in the table to make it big enough so that he could lay on this dining room table. And, they, uh, and the doctor operated on him on the dining room table in, the, in, in, their, in this farmhouse. And I'm, I'm like, they operated? Oh, yeah, he cut me open. He said he found this big black ball of pus or something that was attached to my intestines. And he goes, well, I better not touch it. He says, it's full of poison. And he said he sewed me up, sewed me back up. He says, if it, go, if it breaks inside, your intestine will pass through. And you live. if it breaks outside and gets in your organs, you will die. And the doctor left. <laughs> and they left him on the dining room table. He says, I'm laying on this dining room table. His wife went to bed. And he said, he says, <laughs> true story. He says, I'm laying there. And he says, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how horrible. And you're a farmer. And he said, Kenny, he said, I laid there and I cried out to him. He says, oh God, I have so much to live for. I'm like, you had so much to live for. You're a farmer. You're going to die. You got three kids. Why just take the easy way out? I'm coming home, Lord. But he said something. And he's just, I have so much to live for. And he said, I cry out to God. Now, I'm not, I, I try not to be a spooky Christian, okay? You know what I mean? People that always see visions all the time. But my grandpa said, that night, he said, a bright light came in the corner of the room. And a voice came from that and said, Peter. You're not going to die. I have a lot for you yet to do. And thank God, because my mom was number 10. <laughs> but 
And I remember him telling me that story, and I was like, whoa, but what impacted me more than the vision was my grandfather in that state, a farmer, you know, and, and you know, none of the, the nice things we had, modern. Th- he was like, I have so much to live for. I said, God, I was like, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit just taught me something. You know what? You've got to learn how to pray, Ken. You've got you to gotta pray for life, and, and though life is painful, cry out for life, love life, say, God, I have so much to live for. That's a prayer of the Spirit. And sometimes pain, instead of making us regress and, and just shrink back and say, oh, Lord, just take me out, may it give us a, a cause to live. May the Holy Spirit give us those kind of prayers. And may God speak to us in our hearts today and say, I have so much more for you if you'll just live through it. And may God, the Holy Spirit, pray for you when you don't know what to pray and give us a reason to live. One last thing here, Romans 8, 28 through 30. The number, number five. And we know that those, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be uh, the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Number five, and here's maybe the most important. Number five, pain gives purpose in Christ. Okay? Pain gives purpose only in Christ. And we know for those that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I'll tell you what, all the pain you have, if God has given you pain, I want you to know it's always with a purpose. And even if you say, yeah, but some evil person did this to me and that to me and it's just brought so much pain in my life. Can I tell you what? God can take that and turn it around and show you the purpose only in Christ, though. I'll tell you what, I, I feel sorry. We always, uh, every year at Lake Ann Camp, we always get young people that come to camp, and, and they like to tell us, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, because this happened to me and that happened to me, and, and if God would let this happen, then I don't want anything to do with God. And I said, well, you know what? What do atheists have, though? Their pain means nothing. I want to read something Richard Dawkins says, you know, kind of dealing with this idea of pain. Richard Dawkins, probably the foremost and most uh, uh, well-known atheist of our day. And he talks about, hey, we're just, he says, DNA, we're just made up of DNA, just, you know, stuff that comes from the earth. DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Is that the kind of life you want to live? You'll find no purpose in that. We're just evil animals that bad things can happen to us. It has no meaning, and we just end someday. But tough luck. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. There's no purpose. There's no higher being that can bring purpose to it. But I'll tell you what, if you know the Lord, all things work together for good to those who love God. Amen? Now, I know some Christians, I, I know one time a guy, he had a doctorate, you know, he's a very, very brilliant man, and, and um, his wife got sick, 
And you know, as a Christian, you try to comfort him. Well, you know, brother, all things work together for good. And he got up to preach one Sunday and he says, I'm telling you, I'm sick of people telling me all things are going to work together for good. And I was like, well, I better not say that to him anymore. <laughs> but isn't it true? Sometimes we don't like the pain gives to us, and we, we resist, and we're like, if one more person says, all things work, work together for good, I'm going to punch them in the nose because they don't understand my pain, but I'll tell you what, God understands it, and he's the only one that can bring purpose to it and work you through it and bring you to a point in your life that you know that it, it, it's not what I would ask for, and it may be come from the free will of evil men that would come upon you, but God can take that and, and work it all out for good and bring purpose to it. I want to ask you this morning, are you, are you hurting? Are you in pain? I'll tell you what, the only way that we can walk through it and embrace it is if we take the principles of God's word and say, God, I don't understand it, and I don't really would rather not have this platform, but I want you to help me walk through it. And uh, we are predestined to be like Christ. You know, some people, uh, I always have these uh, campers at Lake Ann. Do you believe in predestination? I'm like, yes. Not that you're going to fall down the stairs, but that you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen? That's what God is working. He's predestined you to become like Christ. You know, some people are worried, oh, is, he, is, is it written in, the, in, in my, my life? I'm going to fall down the stairs and break my... Stop that. That's not what predestined is all about. It's like God has a plan, and he's going to predestine you to become conformed like Christ. Amen? And so may pain give you purpose in life and realize God is good. We sang about all oh, those, those songs are so perfect for, for the message this morning. But may you just bring your pain to God and say, God, let me understand what this is all about because you are good. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning because, Lord, I, I think our culture is just, um, sometimes we're embracing pain, but it's, it's so, we take it as a badge of honor and we don't want to be healed. Father, instead, I pray that you will take our pain and you will use it to purify us, to give us platform, Father, to to, to bring prayer into our life, to bring perseverance into our life, and bring purpose into our life through it all. Because you rule all and we trust you. And so may you perfect our faith through it until we, we have a message to give of the, the great Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross and is now our high priest. Father, to take us, to take us... Uh, through the pain, and help us understand why. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ken.